Travel Growth Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Travel Growth Podcast. I'm Tom McLaughlin, founder of SEO Travel, and this is where I speak to successful travel business leaders and dig into their successes, challenges and learnings from their experiences over the years. So you, the listener, can take away actionable advice to enhance your own businesses and maybe even lives too. My guest today is Dave Cornthwaite. Dave is a man of many talents and achievements, so trying to sum them up in one brief sentence is too tricky, so I haven't tried. He describes himself as an adventurer, speaker and community creator. In 2006, Dave skateboarded across Australia the full 3,618 miles of it to break the world record for the longest skate journey, which began his Expedition 1000 quest, where he's aiming to complete 25 journeys, each one a minimum of 1,000 miles, each one using a different form of non-motorised transport. So far, incredibly, he's completed 15 of the 25, and every single one of them is pretty incredible when you, when you read about them. He's also the founder of the Yes Tribe, a community of more than 10,000 people around the world with the aim of making a culture of happy, kind, yes people the norm and to help foster dreams of living and working based around passions and hobbies. As part of this, Dave was chosen as a fellow of the Facebook Community Leadership Programme, going into the belly of the beast and getting advice from inside Facebook in Silicon Valley in how best to flourish on the platform. On the 1st of January 2020, Dave was awarded the Points of Light Award by the Prime Minister which recognises outstanding volunteers who are making a change in their community and inspiring others in recognition of his unique message of positivity. And it goes on. He's also an author and podcaster, having written three books ranging from dating to adventure. And now he runs the self-propelled podcast where he explores the drive, motivation and secrets of people who take the road less travelled. He's now in the process of setting up Big Sky Hideaway, a glamping and event space, an all-round escape in Lincolnshire, powered by renewable energy and with community at the core of its purpose. And all that is just scratching the surface. Dave's a fascinating guy and a wonderful storyteller, and it's been a pleasure getting to know him since I shared a stage with him a couple of years ago in Italy. He's been a real inspiration for me since then, as I know he has been for many, many other people. I really love this conversation where we try to delve into just a few of the things that I've mentioned there and I'm sure you'll get loads out of the incredible life that Dave's lived, especially when you understand the seeds of where it came from, which we can all relate to. We cover the importance of storytelling, how to build community and why that's important, as well as unearthing many of the life tips and tricks that Dave's learned from so many adventures and unique experiences. So buckle up, this is me talking to Dave Cornthwaite. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Tom. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, obviously, I've heard you talk at conferences and I've watched your stuff and followed your Instagram things. So I know I know a lot about you and, and um, the things that you've done. But this, to be honest, this podcast just provided a lovely excuse to delve into more questions and uh, hit you up <laughs> on more of the, the, the things it's thrown up for me in the past. Um, and I, I think historically, you wouldn't necessarily have been the like fit for the kind of people we're talking to but your new project with with big sky hideaway kind of firmly puts you into the category of of travel business owner in my eyes so uh yeah 
I'm, I'm, I'm taking the opportunity and, and grabbing it with both hands. So looking forward to going through things with you. Yeah, man. Me, me too. And first of all, I wish having looked at you and your pristine image, I wish that I'd done my hair. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't fit the uh, adventurer bill if, if you did turn it back that way <laughs> um so to, to kick things off let's start with the, the key question um what's it like to be an influencer uh i'm not an influencer <laughs> i don't know you'll have to ask an influencer <laughs> Hey, listen, you, t- you make a lot of people do a lot of stuff, uh, me included, I think. Is that, do you, yeah, do you, you, you just discard it out of hand, do you? Yeah, I mean, I, I may occasionally influence somebody, but I'd never put influencer on my business card or indeed let anyone call me such. I think I'm worth more than that. <laughs> put it, yeah, absolutely. Put it in the, put it in the guru category. You have to be a guru. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so in, let, let's go to, so if, if others would have that opinion of you, let's go to like, I, I don't want to cover necessarily the, the, you know, in depth, the big story of how you, you came about, cause you've, you've talked about that a lot, but if you could, for people who don't know it, give us, I guess, a quick pricey of coming out of education, what you did, where you were, and I guess what caused you to start the journey that you're on. Yeah, cool. 30 second life challenge. Uh, I... At 25, I just decided that I was I was wasting my life. So I I, de- I decided to say yes more. It's like a 25th birthday present to myself to see if I could be happy and see if I could get more out of life than just doing a job I hated. I ended up doing loads of adventures, started skateboarding across Australia, and I've been doing it ever since long distance motorized, non-motorized trips. After that, I start, well, not after that, because it's still going. But in 2015, I set up the Yes Tribe, which is an adventurous kind of kind community, a really nice, positive corner of the Internet that encourages people to do things they've always talked about doing, but never, never quite got round to. And most recently, just two months ago, moved into a new home with my wife, M. And we're setting up a, a renewables powered camping glamping site. There's alpacas, a big garden, and that's called the Big Sky Hideaway. Amazing. Amazing. Let's dig into some of those bits then. So you, so you sat at home, you're 25, what you did, you were doing graphic design and, and bits like that. And then what just decided, hmm. I'm not happy. I'm going to go and skateboard across Australia. Like pull, 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 pull that a little bit apart from what, what, what were the steps of going like this isn't enough to going on the challenge? Yeah. I think it would be unfair to other graphic designers to call my work back then graphic design. Uh, and I, I think there's something really important in that. We we spend so many of our adult hours working and we have to find something that's really satisfying to us or at least worthwhile in some regard. And I had I had none of that. I was I was really, really bad at it, self-taught. And I came home every night and I was I just wanted to sink into the PlayStation and I wanted to be good at something, but I, I wasn't I wasn't going to find that niche if I carried on doing what I was doing. I was just a depressed mid 20 something wasting my potential and I wanted to find it. I didn't know what that meant, but I just knew that I I needed to try different stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't really see the point in being around. Honestly, it was it was a dark, dark time and I can be a bit trivial about it now, but uh, I, I can see how easy it is to be stuck in that cycle of doing the same job day in, day out to pay the bills just because we, we need to survive somehow. 
And I just, I guess I hit all the confluences. Relationship was bad. I didn't really want to be in South Wales and Swansea anymore because it rained all the time. And I wanted to find something that I could be proud of. Uh, so that's where the say yes more thing came from. I was a real no guy before that. And then you say yes to stuff and you you end up trying new experiences, meeting new people, building confidence. And for me, confidence is, is the baseline for for any kind of success however you define it and how did it how did it turn into the thing i'm going to do now is skateboard across australia <laughs> uh i started saying yes to things that i'd never done before and i went on a snowboarding holiday with my family and i was really bad i fell a lot uh, but i like i like that feeling of riding a board it felt incredibly natural just you know, moving your shoulders one way or another. And, and hopefully, if you can stay standing, you, you follow that direction. And it felt beautifully fluid. And I lived in a town with no snow. So I got myself a long skateboard and I'd never skateboarded in my first 25 years. So it was uh, that fear of falling onto concrete. But also once I got going and I didn't fall, being able to do those kind of, you know, just gentle turns and travel around town as well. It, it gave me this whole new perspective. And I realized there was a real power in not just having an idea and acting on it and everything that comes from that, but from seeing the world that you think you know, like the back of your hand from a different perspective. So two weeks after stepping onto that board for the first time, I, I quit my job and decided on the same day that I was going to try and break the world distance record on a skateboard. I really kind of went for it in terms of I, if I'm, if I'm going to live this new positive, let's go get it life. I wanted to go hard. I didn't just want to be like, I'm going to skateboard a mile. So I decided to skateboard the length of Britain as a warm up and then across Australia. And luckily, luckily I did it. And I, you know, there's these things now it's a bit sad, isn't it? Because that's 16, 17 years ago. And that epic five month, 4,000 mile journey has been condensed into a, an easy sentence. I skateboarded across Australia. Yeah. And, you know, it's, there's there's obviously so much, so much that goes into that time and effort and creativity and determination and pain and and on and on and on. But it kind of was that simple. I decided that I wanted to skateboard from Perth to Brisbane. So I needed a board and I needed to find places to sleep and decided to raise some money for charity. And then all you need is the time and the will. You keep on going. Yeah. And did you, yeah. did you tell people... Like what, what, at what stage did it go from like idea in Dave's head? Did you like quietly st make stuff happen behind the scenes or did you like run it past all your mates and, and family and say like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Like what, and, and you know, how, what was the reaction to that? How did, you know, how, how did it, how did, what did people say? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I'm not really Im impetuous. I, I always sit on a decision or an idea it could be for a couple of hours. It could be for a few weeks until I'm pretty sure that it's what I want. And then I'll talk about it. And as soon as I start talking about it, there's certainty in that uh, is what I want to do. So I'll touch you know, a lot of people were like, you're mad. I didn't even know you skateboarded. You've never done anything. Well, what are you doing? Giving up your job? What about your house? All of that stuff. And pretty fast, as soon as you, you decide to do something that's different out of the box not the usual conversation you'd have with work colleagues or friends or family some will take it the wrong way and wonder whether you're going to throw everything away uh even if that everything you're throwing away is a completely depressed playstation addicted life 
uh, why the heck would you change? Uh, I think it, in some ways it, it shines a light. It's a mirror to, to everybody else's life around you. And I think we all dream about, you know, packing it in and going and doing something different. And I, I realized that pretty fast that when people were asking me whether I really wanted to give up my job and do this thing. And what about the snakes and the spiders in Australia? They were just talking to themselves. I mean, ultimately, yeah. when I came back from that trip, they, they didn't ask any questions. They didn't care. <laughs> you know. So you've got to do yeah. this stuff for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, kind of putting the like business lens on that, I feel like there's, you know, starting things up in that way is, is exactly the same kind of thing. Like you say, people walk away from a salary or you're taking a big risk or you're doing, doing this or that. And like you say, when you put it in perspective and you sort of think, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, actually, there's no the worst that could happen is often the status quo rather than the change that you're talking about making. That is totally the worst thing that can happen. The risk is staying where you are in an unhappy place. Uh, and I, I think on the business side, I didn't realize it at the time, but I have a real project manager's outlook on things. And I wanted to create this lovely project. I made a bad website about my board free journeys. And I reached out to media and I learned how to write copy and and promotions and design adverts and uh, just tell a good story, which I needed to in order for people to believe in the trip enough to, at that time, donate money to the charities I was supporting. And on and on and on, each each adventure I've done has basically built itself out of a little project. And now I feel pretty accomplished, even though I'm just starting my first business. I feel really, really confident about it, and uh, it's going really well. <laughs> like we were in the we were in the Guardian top thirty staycations last weekend. We haven't even opened yet. Amazing. You know how do they know? <laughs> <laughs> just an insight into journalism there and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, and, and so, so when did it turn from uh okay i've done the australia thing to expedition 1000 like at, where did you do a did you do a few or was that the plan from the start did you come up with that as a concept that it would build towards when i decided to skate across oz i had no idea what was coming next i just knew that if i could skate for five months and maybe break a world record but just have have that journey i felt very hopeful that it would open a door at the end or a few and and then i i just choose to live life a bit more organically and and follow the opportunities whatever they might be uh, it took me two and a half years after the australia jet to do another adventure uh, and in that time, I was just kind of muddling around, learning how to, I wrote my first book and did a couple of other social projects, things like 50 ways to make 50 pounds. And I also wrote a book about dating as well, uh, as it was a kind of a comedy, a hapless, unconfident person trying to date, you know, beating off those, those bullied teenage years, trying to realize that having ginger hair didn't completely, uh, <laughs> send me into a life of despair and loneliness, uh, <laughs> And then, yeah, I've, 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 I missed, I missed that simplicity of, of movement, of being healthy, of traveling under my own steam in a different place, meeting people as a result of the, the weird story that I was carrying in my ever growing beard. And I, I jumped in a kayak at the end of December, 2009, I turned 30 on that trip and that was the journey that really kind of convinced me that adventure was the thing that I wanted. You know, it, it gave me so much of what I wanted from life, what I knew I wanted by then. 
uh, the uh, an unraveling story, uh, and then you know great little anecdotes to try and build filmmaking or writing or blogging or whatever it might might be. Uh, every day gave me some new material that I could I could train myself with, and it was after that trip that I thought. I was really depressed after my skateboarding trip and really depressed after my kayaking trip. And I realized because I'd been working for months, I, I, I finished them both. Uh, so in that sense, they were a success, but I didn't know what was next. So I, I just fell into this kind of hole, this post-expedition blues, if you like. And I realized what I was missing was a long-term plan, in a sense. So that's when Expedition 1000 came about. And that was this if you, uh, yes list or a bucket list, if you like. I decided that I'd travel 25 different journeys, each one at least 1,000 miles in distance, and each one using a different form of non-motorized transport. So I wanted to come up with a project that incorporated skateboarding and kayaking, which was a hard sell. Uh, but then as soon as I came up with that, I felt like Expedition 1000 in many ways was my new identity. You know, this, And it, it wasn't something I could tick off in a year or even five. So it was going to give me that long-term focus and in many ways it worked. I, I did trips and then had something else to look forward to. So no more post-expedition blues. Yeah, see you later. The, um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, there's a couple of good like things in there where it's almost like the small steps. I think the, the more I speak to people, the more who have done this sort of thing or started a business or you know whatever it might be, done something different that concept of like small steps and taking small steps is rather than getting sort of overawed by the like, oh, I've got to go and do this, come up with this massive plan or do this big crazy thing. It's just like, no, mm. just just take the first step, tell someone about it. And like, you know, you were saying about when you were doing Australia, like as soon as you say it to someone, like it's real, it's happening. Um, and I've tried, I've certainly tried to use that a lot more where, you know, if, if I feel like I've got a good idea and I want to do it, I just tell as many people as I can. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm on the hook now. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't just like shy away from it and, and pretend it never happened. Um, but then some, somehow finding the balance to combine that with the, the like long view of having something to aim for, to, you know, so you're not just like randomly spewing off in different directions all the time. Uh, but it's a very, it's a hard balance to, to strike. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I th I think there was something really important for me in that. And this this goes in business as well as adventure. I I spoke to a few people back then around the Australian kayak trip number 2 about, you know, how to how they'd formed their career. And they all advised, you know, like you you do something and then you've got to go bigger and better. And I hated that idea because at some point you're going to run out. Well, you can't fly to the moon, can you? Uh not not on your own steam. So I I decided I was just going to completely choose my way and 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 do things a little a little more uniquely. I didn't want to go and break world records anymore. It's really it's exhausting kind of talking about that stuff. I realized pretty early on that adventure isn't important. You feel very important in the middle of your own big project and you know there's some strength involved and perseverance and all of that nonsense, but actually I was doing this stuff for myself. I, I really felt like I was growing and evolving in the midst of these adventures, but I didn't see that they were important in the wider scheme of things. So I just wanted to do things that made me smile rather than 
you know, built a portfolio. So that's where Expedition 1000 really came into its own because even a, a kind of a spurious looking trip, like riding a tandem bike from Vancouver to Vegas on its own, it means nothing to anybody else. But if they're following this Expedition 1000, then it's another little uh, rung mm. on that ladder, if you like, a piece of the jigsaw. And then it made sense. Yeah. And, and where are you at with it now? Where's the, cause it, cause it is like you say, it's ongoing, isn't it? Like you're still in the, in the midst of it. Yeah. So 15, I've completed 15 of the trips. I still got 10 to go. I'm, I turned 42 this year. Let me just check my, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got 42 years worth of gray hair on me. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's cool. I've got 10 to go and I, if I don't want to do one, I don't do it. I'll at some point I'll wake up and think, "Oh, I'm ready to go and do another trip," and that's when I'll do it. There's no pressure. I make the rules, and I'm a massive control freak. So, yeah, I've life as it's been built. Thankfully, works completely for me. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing what you get. I, this is I've I've been infected with the like non-motorized thing now. So whenever I'm looking around, it's like, oh, there's a. I'll tell Dave to go around this place on that. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's not, yeah, obviously I'm not even the one doing it. So your your life must just be like every time you see something, some, I imagine people are firing wacky modes of transport at you every, every other day. Yeah, yeah, they are. And even though my motto is say yes more, I say no a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, you can't, as you say, it's, more is the key word, isn't it? It's like not, you cannot say yes all the time because you just end up doing what other people want you to do and that's yeah. the opposite of what it's about exactly um so so yeah so you so, you, so you've got expedition 1000 on the go then so how did that form into a a, a, a career if you like yeah. like you you mentioned you did fundraising and stuff for those trips but what was what was funding your life through through that phase yeah, not much honestly uh, i i thought after my skating trip i got a book deal I got a £4,000 advance to, to write a book. And that's all I ever saw from that book, which goes to show that, you know, you should never think that travel writing, especially that long distance skateboarding will make you a living. Uh, and f for me, you know, I, I said this to you before, it's not what you earn, it's what you don't spend. And I realized pretty fast that I needed, I probably needed a good six or seven years minimum to train myself up, literally train myself up in skills that I really enjoyed. And at some point it, it stands to reason all going well, that if you work hard enough for something, you're good enough to be paid. So I wanted to write and f film and stand on stage and be able to speak to people and host workshops and all kinds of stuff. And I think after, after five years of, of kind of paving this, this new track, I, I had about 20 different income streams. All of them were pretty small, but they were enough because I didn't pay rent. I didn't pay rent between 2007 and 2016. Uh, I lived out of a bag and life was incredibly simple in many ways. It was really cheap. I, I think I've been out for dinner five times in the last decade, you know, and the amount of money that I've saved as a result of just those small sacrifices to me uh, has, has meant that I'm able to do what I want to do now. Uh, and and that made made a big difference. I I I bivied or hammocked in London's parks, a hundred to one hundred and fifty nights a year for three years. When I was and then I'd wake up the next morning and go into a school, having like washed in a lake, and you know hope they didn't smell me. Uh, <laughs> and I'd speak for free. I did I did over two hundred talks for free to schools before I was ready to be 
to accept even a £50 fee. Uh, it seemed like a really weird career choice to be a speaker. And it was definitely nothing I'd ever considered or heard of before. But as soon as I felt good enough, I'd done those talks enough. Uh, yeah, it's continued. And it's all word of mouth. No agent, no cold calling, no nothing. I'll only ever do a talk if I've been recommended. And uh, I'm over a thousand in now. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, that's obviously how we first how we first met. Yeah, and yeah. You know, you have you have something like you know having having watched that. It's like it's no surprise that people people keep wanting to hear you because uh, the story like the stories that you've got to tell are amazing. And yeah, the, you know, or, or, like you say, all those skills that you've built up all kind of combine into presenting something in an extremely engaging way that uh, you know not just a clickable PowerPoint that uh, I got subsequently found out about after I after, after had to bloody follow you. Um, so <laughs> the, yeah. it, it, interestingly, after you're talking about the speaking, I found a, a fantastic um, quote via your own website as well, so it's not to chuck you under the bus. But uh, Dave Cornthwaite is a motivational speaker so full of himself, I'm shocked he does not sell videos of him kissing himself, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I found on your on your own website. So yeah. obviously the, tro- the trolls will always be there, but... <laughs> Yeah, the, How do- <laughs> the trolls are always there, and I've got. I think you found it on my uh, "They Need a Hug" page. So every, yeah, every, yeah. I think everything has some power. And I'm like, I, I was, I was bullied pretty badly at school, and I, I think about even, even a negative tweet from a complete stranger. And five years ago, I, I wake up thinking about it sometimes. That stuff really hurts me, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's stupid. So I try and take this negativity. Uh, luckily, I don't get a huge amount of it, but now, of course, we live in that age where everyone feels like they need they their opinion should be heard. Uh, so, yeah, I I just think if someone is willing to disparage someone they've never met before online, then they need a hug. So I've got a page yeah. called They Need a Hug, and I put all my trolls on there yeah. for the world it's to well see. Worth, it's it's well worth a read. Well worth a read. <laughs> Um, so you, um, you you mentioned you've touched on the kind of say yes more stuff and and that sort of morphed into the the yes tribe and the things that you're doing there so tell us tell us a bit more about that about that side of the activity and the things that you've done yeah say yes more for me was a personal motto for for many many years I didn't I didn't really talk about it it just kept me going it was my fuel and then at some point I did start chatting about it, uh, you know, question, why do you do this stuff? And how do you, how do you do all this variety of things? And saying yes more was the, was the obvious answer for me. I then designed naturally some bad t-shirts and started wearing, uh, wearing my motto. So I pull on say yes more t-shirts every day. And now and then someone, uh, who clearly had no fashion sense said, Oh, I'd love one. So I I started selling them after my talks. And then in 2015, I decided to try and find people who in London, a city where, you know, people rush around from, from office to station to home without seemingly any care for anyone else. Um, you know, busy city life. And I missed the kindness of strangers that I I found on every day on my trips. But I'm pretty sure most humans, if not all of us, are are innately kind. It's just life's pressures make us unkind sometimes. So I I decided to try and turn my Facebook audience, a few of whom were in the UK, into real people. 
and I, I did it by posting an advert on Facebook, come camping with me on a school night in London. And so the saying goes, so the legend goes, 19 people turned up underneath the train station clock. And that was the beginning of the Yes Tribe. And there's over 20,000 people in the Yes Tribe around the world now. We've got over a, this ecosystem of over 100 pages and groups on Facebook at the moment. Uh, yeah, in 35 different countries. So the Yes Tribe has gone from strength to strength. And the amazing thing is, as soon as you surround yourself by people who will support you, regardless of the madness of your ideas, of your of your ambition, or even, you know, the, the smallness of your steps, it's so easy to get things done when you're surrounded by cheerleaders instead of gremlins. And that's, that's the base of it. You know, that's what's what's come out of all of this. It's, it's pretty cool seeing what people are doing now. Yeah, like, yeah, that the, that's the antidote, isn't it, to the, yeah, the people who you tell about this crazy thing where you're skateboarding across <clears> Australia. <throat> if the people you're telling are that kind of person, then you're only more likely to go and do that that wacky idea that you've come up with than if you tell your mates down the pub who just want to go down the pub forever. Yeah, that's it. And I like we, I mentioned earlier on the trolls, everyone seems to have advice that they want to impart, often about things that they've got no experience in themselves. And I, I think it's I think it's the biggest downfall of, of well, maybe it's not the biggest, but it's a big downfall of modern day population is that if someone says something like, I'm going to go and skateboard across Australia, someone will be like, oh, have you thought about this? But what about this? Or maybe you shouldn't do this. And I'm just like, I didn't ask. I didn't ask for yeah. your advice. You know, only take advice if you ask for it. Uh, so, yeah, kind of it, it shuts down that that side of it. And I'm I'm constantly on kind of an etiquette war. Uh, you know, it, I think it's a it's a positive battle to wage to teach people how to how to talk to each other, because I think we've forgotten not just because of COVID, but because the Internet makes it so easy to be thoughtless in our comments and words are powerful, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got we've got three young kids now, and it's kind of put a I've, I've, that's it's really brought that kind of thing into focus for me. Where I think like that that exact thing of you've got to be careful about every single thing that you say because you don't realise like how strong something you know saying what seemingly in your head is the simplest little thing that you can just like embed an idea in in someone's head when they're five and that'll live with them for a hell of a long time mate for sure and I always feel guilty after I've gone into a primary school I don't do this anymore but you know I used I used to go into a primary school and I'd be like strangers are just friends waiting to happen which I think <laughs> which I think is a great message for adults but uh you should see teachers faces when you say that to yeah. their kids <laughs> yeah it's not 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 strictly the safeguarding protocol <laughs> <laughs> and I think going, you know, the with the like the community side of things. I think using, you know, again like Facebook and social media in general. Like obviously now they get that, and I think you know deservedly in in so many areas. Like they get that bad rap now of it's it's the negative angle that comes from it. But mm. this is a great example of like when it works and it's flipped on its head and the positive side of things come out of it. Um, so tell it, tell us how, how does that work then? So you say you've got these people in all these different countries, like what's, ha what's happening, what's happening in those, in those places? Yeah. So, uh, the aim is to bring people together often in the outdoors, which has been very difficult in the last year, of course, but we, we now have a, 
I wanted to create an organization where no one was paid. So there was no motivation other than this is worth doing uh, with my spare time. So Ems and I, my wife and I run it uh, and we have a team of 90 volunteers, just over 90. And they are either tribe or event leaders. So we've got regional tribes all over the UK and then a few more dotted around the world. And basically, if someone from anywhere in the world says is there a yes tribe where i am if the answer is no then i say no but you're about to start it uh and that's that's how it's grown and we we support them as much as we can you know online calls etc etc and in normal times we've we've hosted over a thousand online events whether it's daily 10 a.m i just pulled i was excited and i just pulled my (laughs) (laughs) This is live, folks. This is it. Hey, it's happening. <laughs> uh, yeah, daily 10 a.m. tea breaks or quizzes or adventure story nights or and on and on and on. We'll go stand-up paddleboarding trips. We've got a big double-decker bus, which is our solar-powered community base camp uh, in in more social times. And and that's, that's just over there for me now. Um, and we've got community woodlands and all kinds of stuff. So... If whatever people want to do, whether it's learn how to bake or, or or plant veggies or how to sling up a hammock or start a fire for the first time, we run workshops and events that bring people together with with other people who know how to do that and we just help each other. Yeah, nice. And uh, I guess that kind of community angle, that community sense, like as as being a big part for you in like. I guess develop, you know, I joked about it being an influencer, but it's like, you know, the, the good, the good sense of being an influencer in terms of like, if you do good things and people follow, then that only sort of helps you ride or ride a bigger wave together. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously like when you're doing other stuff now, you have this amazing base of people that want to do nice things for you and talk about the good things that you're doing. Like it's a, you know, kind of from a marketing perspective, there's so much power in, in something like that if you do it in the right way. Yeah, definitely. I I felt kind of between 2012 and 2015 as my speaking was was taken off. I, you know, there'd be a line of people after each talk just waiting to chat, often at a bar, which was awesome. And I... I just felt it was an inefficient way to spend time. I think if you're lucky enough to have unique experiences or or knowledge, you should definitely share it. That's how evolution works. And for me, rather than, you know, answering 100 emails a day, I thought, you know, part of starting the Yes Tribe was I want to be accessible. I want to, you know, I want to be able to just chat to people around a campfire and get some good shares rather than, you know, just just a, a quick rushed line on email. And and that's definitely worked out. And I think I really do believe that if you volunteer a lot of your time, then then good stuff comes back. I call it karma or call it whatever you want. I'm not really sure. But it seems to me that if you if you put good stuff out there, then good stuff comes back. And the world is is beautifully cyclical when when it gets going like that. Yeah, nice. And, and I guess a lot of this ties into like like Facebook's quite a big part of this. And I know you, you mm. have, um, you know, you're an ambassador of some form or you, you were on some sort of program historically. So tell, tell us a bit more about that. And I guess if you can tie it into maybe some suggestions as to like how, you know, if there's a, a business owner of a company or something like how, how do they make the most of that platform? Is there anything you'd recommend from your experience on that? Yeah, for sure. So the Yes Tribe was chosen as uh, one of 100 communities for the 
the first Facebook community leadership program. Um, so they ran that for one year and it was, it was, it was brilliant. It was great to go kind of into the belly of the beast and meet the hierarchy at Facebook and realize that all of these guys get panned constantly, are are super smart and very, very well intentioned. They're just kind of catching up constantly with the evolution of their platform, which of course has opened up communication in a way that nothing else ever has. And I think the it's a brilliant platform if you use it well. Uh, but of course, there there are some people with 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 less wholesome motives out there who who can use exactly the same tools to to spread anger and fear and badness. Uh, I think that's always going to be the case. I don't, you know, we we know more than ever now that fifty percent of the population thinks in a different way to us, whether it's Brexit or Trump or on and on and on. Not everyone agrees. We have to understand that that's fine. And we just need to find a way to disagree nicely with each other rather than try and impart our, uh, the way we see the world and everyone else and get angry when they don't take it. Um, so on the best way to use Facebook, I, I think the Yes Tribe, and I know a lot of people are only on Facebook for the Yes Tribe uh, because we don't allow negativity. If anyone's an idiot, we delete their post and if they're if they're really harsh uh you know not accidentally we block them it's really simple you know i wouldn't uh, allow that kind of language or or trolling to someone who came into my house so why would why would i i let it into a community that's all about kindness uh so you know that's kind of up to us and sure we get it wrong sometimes but uh, I think it's really important to to put your stake in the ground and say this is what you stand for. And if people don't adhere to those rules, then they've got to go. Um, so that that keeps the place really nice. Uh, and then for a business owner using Facebook, I'm I'm in the same boat here. Like the the platform's constantly changing. I don't really pay much heed to to the global news and and furor surrounding Facebook every given day because that's just coming from a very blind angle as far as I'm concerned. You use it how you want to use it. Uh, but the platform itself uh, limits engagement to businesses, especially if you've got a page and often you have to pay if you want to get good engagement. And whether that's, uh, there's so many different factors that go into kind of boosting a post or making an advert on Facebook. It's all about your content as well. You can't just blame the, blame the platform. So all the stars have to align for a really good advertising campaign on Facebook. But here's the bad thing. As soon as you start paying money to boost a post, Facebook recognize that you're paying money and then your organic reach uh, is really, really limited because they want you to keep keep dishing out. So I'd say if you're on Facebook, never, ever pay a penny. Uh, just use really, really good content and think about that. Save your bucks and word of mouth is the best recommendation. So push that side when you get a client, ask them if they're happy and ask them to spread the word. Uh, it will always be way more effective than, than, than paying. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I think the, do you think you could take the like yes tribe model and apply that to, as a, as a business, you know, I guess, cr you know, creating a community in, in some shape or form? Um, in a sense, yeah. So with the Big Sky Hideaway, we're, we're just building this this amazing renewables powered site. And I'm using it, almost everything that I've learned building the Yes Tribe towards a business for the first time. And I 
you know, stating your culture, being really clear with that stake in the ground, your mission statement, how things are expected to be on site. Uh, they they govern the kind of clientele you're going to get. And I think that's, you know, that's really, really important. In terms of building a community, I think, you know, business, uh, certainly in the last couple of years, seems like it's, there's a huge push to building a community and there's all this community-based rhetoric. But I think we, we need to be honest with ourselves. Like uh, there's, there's community and there's an audience and there's customers and there's fans and they're all very different things. And building a community is bloody hard. If you're running a business and you care about it, you don't have time to build a community unless you have a whole bunch of staff dealing with that itself. Um, you don't need to build a community. You just need to build a solid uh, a solid base that trusts your product they're they're you know you've got a business therefore you've got a product or a service and you know people aren't gonna even nike don't have a community you know <laughs> they've just got people who wear their shoes and sometimes appreciate their content uh you could call it community if you want but I think it's something different. And I think it's okay to kind of pull away from that. Oh, we must have a group alongside our page because it's just too much stuff. If you don't have time for any one of these things or a Twitter or an Instagram, they're just a waste. Don't, don't do them, switch them off. Just focus on one channel and then, and then people don't turn up to your Twitter or your Facebook group, which hasn't been updated for weeks. And they, that instantly reflects badly on your business, you know, focus, focus yeah. people. <laughs> Love it, love it. It is so. The um, you mentioned like mission there, and I, I think that kind of ties into that. So you know, we'll come on to some of the marketing stuff stuff later. But I think that's like if you've got those core things about your business, then it makes all those other things a lot easier. Whereas if you have a horrible business that doesn't do anything interesting, that has hmm. nothing to speak about, then suddenly all those other things down, downstream are, are, are significantly harder. So that, for, for you, what's your, do you have, do you have a mission? You mentioned a couple of things, kind of touched on a couple of things there. Do you have a mission with Big Sky or do you have a mission like personally that you've, you know, I guess is like kept you on, on track? Um, no, I don't have a mission statement per se. I, I really believe that kind of being kind and generous with your time uh, is is just a, a central central theme to being a decent human, and everything else kind of bounces off that. I think you know, giving yourself time to have rest and be creative and ambitious and audacious is also really important to kind of develop develop those those confidences that we wouldn't get from a kind of a more a more stable life. And simply for me i if there is a mission it's it's bringing like-minded people together uh often in the outdoors you know we we live in a stressed time so many people spend time inside staring at screens way too much uh the amount of people i've met who who've never lit you know made a fire in in the woods you know a safe fire uh or or spend a night in a hammock or even a tent and it's and that's really sad because and it's sad because we I think our anxiety levels going through the roof, you know, mental, mental health issues are, are well documented. And I think we all feel it and we feel it more when we're staring at a screen, and we're inside walls, we're ultimately wild animals. We're not meant to be indoors. And all of this infrastructure around us is, it's, it's just evolved so much faster than we have. 
And the the antidote is to get outside, you know, go for a solid walk. If you go walking in the mountains or even in a woodland, you won't feel as stressed as you do when you're sat, sat in the office about to check your email. Uh, and it's that's just a solid fact. It doesn't matter what kind of traumas are going on, how bad things have been. You know, spending time outside is really, really good for us. We realize that so many of the problems we give ourselves are self-made you know we worry unnecessarily because we you know you know if you if you watch or read any of the media it's it's a it, it feels like a really scary world but i certainly know from my own experience i've been lucky enough to travel to over 120 countries uh often in very weird ways and i've i've met people from every walk of life and people are just lovely like i've so rarely felt fear and in fact, the most fear I feel is when I'm driving around the M25. And that's not because I don't have a driver's license and my wife is driving. <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving swiftly on. <laughs> you've, you've in, it kind of built into that. You've obviously done some kind of charitable stuff. You know, when you've, you mentioned again, when you've done your, um, you know, you've done your expeditions, you've, you've supported charities and you did something when I was kind of doing my background, you know, there was things like project origins around like planting trees, which totally, obviously totally ties in there. Hmm. Do you, do you have other kind of core set of things you support or is that something you just do on a kind of ad hoc basis when you're running something you see, or is there a good, is there a good cause out there? How do you choose those kind of things? Um, These days, it's just this feeling like every decision is made on, on instinct. I think there there isn't anything I've done in the last few years that is completely set aside values based from anything else. It's all it all feels, you know, part of the same pudding. Um, I For the first few trips I did, I did raise a lot of money for charity and it, I've I've stopped kind of actively doing my adventures for charity now because it took away from the the sole re the the base reason that I was doing those trips and I I really wanted a break you know I wanted to live slowly and get fit and healthy again you know get rid of the beer belly that I developed sitting in front of a laptop for six six months writing a book or something and uh not quite hitting my fundraising targets for some reason took away from successfully completing the adventure or you know the even more uh beautiful parts which was meeting different people every day and developing friendships and working out how different cultures survive and you know, bringing that perspective back to my own life so i don't actively raise money for charity anymore um instead i've kind of put that goodwill into supporting my local community or indeed the yes tribe you know i know thousands more people probably benefit now from a non-fundraising perspective than uh than they did from just raising money for a charity and i didn't see how it was spent so i i think taking a bit of control over over the community elements of of what i can give uh makes it all feel whole for me um and then now and then someone will say like we've just given away a few nights on our converted american school bus to the local nhs workers you know that that's a real that's a really simple thing that i can do and also we've just spent every penny we have uh to try to get to this place and we've got a lot of debt to pay off over the next few years so I'd rather I'd rather give something that I've got already rather than give away money that I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. It's about impact, isn't it? And and I guess the um, like you say, when you know you've a very sort of 
micro level, like people think about what, what can I do for charity? And if you're just your sort of normal man on the street, then it's like, oh yeah, the best thing I can do is give some of my cash to, to these places. But yeah. you've spent a long time and worked extremely hard to uh, kind of build up the skills and the audience and all those kind of things. And suddenly there's a different, there's a different spin on it then where it's like you can have a bigger impact rather than just being in a, a kind of monetary fashion, then you can do it. And, and you know, the SRI in, in its purest example is just like all those people that are benefiting from that, you know, that general feel and that thing existing. Yeah, maybe it's selfish too. You know, I, I, I want to see the impact that I'm having as a human. Uh, so, so you know, all of those impacts are, are a lot closer to home now. And it, it, it just gives me more motivation to carry on doing that stuff. Yeah, I think I think so, and that's it. I think that's a really good point as well because I, you know, we we're doing this charitable stuff now, um, where we're giving away the profit that we make with SEM travel. And I, when I was thinking about that and trying to come up with a way, this there is a selfish angle because I believe that it will help the business grow as well, and it mm. will help us get more clients, and it will help us convert more clients, and then because we do that, we'll be able to give more money away to the ch- the charities that we're that we're uh, we're giving to. But then it all just kind of spins back around where there's more stability in the business and therefore I'm more comfortable as a human. I'm not going to become a millionaire that way, but it's like as a, as a, my happiness and kind of what goes into that, I benefit from that. So hmm. I, I feel like sometimes people look at charity in a sense of it having to be almost like a sacrificial thing that you're, you're, you're just, you have to give up everything away and you, you're not allowed to benefit. But to me, it's more about coming up with a model like the best way to do it is come up with a model where everyone wins and then mm. it just it's that it, the flywheel can only turn faster that way because yeah why wouldn't why would you not want to do more of that thing if you're benefiting from it yeah for sure and i i feel like in some some way we we all have to benefit from whatever we're doing even if it's philanthropic um i yeah there's there's only so much i i i think you know traditional fundraising if you like is is super honorable and i think we should all we should all do it now and then but at some point all you know your closest friends and family get donation fatigue don't they uh and even something as simple as volunteering for a local social enterprise and and helping the local community that's also charity if you like so um and yeah the 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 benefits of that are obvious yeah absolutely Are are there any are there any kind of people or charities or businesses that inspire you? This doesn't have to follow on from the kind of charity angle. This can be this can be anything. Um, God, that's a hard question. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll pick one that's close to home at the moment. There's a there's a new charity organisation called Cultivating Change, and they are working with people or small groups all over the country now to to donate seeds to a new garden. And the idea is that the garden isn't just, you know, sustaining one family. It's, it's a source of education for the local community. So we're working with them now where we've put aside almost an acre of, of our land here to, to plant veggies. And we've never really done it before. Uh, so they're helping us through all those steps. But the idea is that we share our journey, building a garden, raised beds, hydroponics, polytunnel, and and all of that stuff compost blah 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 and we we share our journey so the idea for me would be that you know online for the next couple of weeks hopefully <laughs> and then when people can visit the garden they can take any of those lessons back and and slot them into however much space they've got at home even if they live on a in a high-rise flat you can still grow grow plants and veg so yeah i'm really excited about that so cultivating change of 
have really helped me kind of think about that model, you know, of, of, uh, of learning as you go and then, and then sharing the benefits. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Hmm. The, so on, on, you mentioned learning there. So I think one of the things that has, you know, has kind of come out already from the things you've said that you've, you've had this sort of desire to learn as much as possible, uh, lifelong learning as, you know, I've seen you talk about that and the importance of it to you. So whether it is graphic design or whether it is writing, writing copy or filming or all these different things that you've, you've learned, how, how do you go about that? What's your process for, for mm. learning? Uh, usually I'll give myself a project. Uh, I, I, I love a good project. Had you guessed? Uh, so <laughs> like, for example, this year, uh, and it, and it has to kind of rhyme with what I'm doing at the time. So it, it feels more and more useful. So this year I'm, I'm learning how to build stuff. So every single day this year, I've, uh, I promised myself that I'm going to create or make something new and useful. And it could be something as trivial as a swing for my squirrels or chickens uh or learning how to resurface a driveway or you know this afternoon i'll go out and i'll build a compost toilet for the first time uh and that's that's really helpful i love doing it suddenly i realize that my fingers are getting fatter because i'm using them for the first time i've been got in i don't know if you can see but they're just ingrained dirt and i love it i feel like a man for the first time yeah, yeah. uh and 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 yeah it's really nice and suddenly little structures and things are, are popping up on our site and it's making the project feel real but there's some real there's some beautiful satisfaction to uh to even making the smallest thing a bench uh so much more than i ever got from my graphic design days uh, so yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, I, so I think shaping it around a bigger project like that, it gives you the motivation of if I get to 3 PM and I think, Oh, I haven't made anything today. I'll go out and make something. And I've luckily you can see behind, I've, I've got a huge list of things and that nice. goes, that goes on and on. So that actually this pin board was, I stuck it to the wall. That was one of the first, the first things I made this year. So yeah. And that, that covers all kinds of bases. So it's, nice. it's good. Yeah, it's a nice I story. I'm, peer, I'm peering up like that as if that makes any difference to what you're, you know, to what, I'm, pretty what awesome. I'm seeing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, there, is there anything else kind of uh, in terms of your personal qualities that you think has led to where you are, where you are now? So, yeah, that lifelong learning is obviously, a, you know, a core one. Like what else, what else do you think is, has driven you to, to get to what you are doing now? Uh, I think it's really important to take your work seriously, but not take yourself seriously. Like I, I think my biggest quality is that I realize I'm a bit of a clown uh, and I, you know, I just kind of muddle through stuff and I'm totally fine with not being an expert or a master in anything. And yeah, you've got to find your thing. You know, we, we're, all, we're all different. We're all motivated by different stuff. We've all got like different demons that we're dealing with and different talents. And, you know, I think it's important that we, we find something that just gives us lots of pleasure. Uh, and, and then we're just gonna, we're gonna produce more and, and that feels good in in itself. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, knowing, knowing that what I've done is important to me and maybe it, it's helpful for a few other people, but on the whole, I'm a happier person because of what I've chosen to do. And that means I'm not a source of negative influence for anyone around me. And I think that's a really nice place to start from. <laughs> I used to be a pain in the ass 
I, you know, you could speak to my wife and I'm sure now and then I'll be a pain in the ass. <laughs> I can't deny that. But yeah, if we're, if we're unhappy in our work and in our play, then we're going to be annoying for the people around us. Uh, and that's not helpful at all. So let's start trying to be the helpful, the helpful angels and not the gremlins and then build from there. Nice. Do you, <laughs> do you think there's anything that has, like, how do you think you're different to when you did your skateboard across Australia? Like what, what, again, like qualities wise, is there something that you've, I guess you've developed through those things or do you think they were like inherent to you that mean you have succeeded in, in doing them? I'm a completely different man, uh, entirely. I, I look back at that trip and I, I can't remember, I can't imagine that I was there, you know? Uh, so I don't know if qualities is the right word, but I've, you know, I've, I've matured a lot. I make better decisions as a result of having tried a lot of, a lot of things, working out what I like and what I don't. Uh, and I, I think while I still believe wholeheartedly that it's important to be selfish in the best way possible and to look after ourselves, put your oxygen mask on before others, et cetera, et cetera. The more you give, the more comes back. And that was, that wasn't, I hadn't quite articulated or worked that out way back then. I was just really excited to go on a skateboard and break a world record and probably almost certainly talked way too much about breaking a world record. Uh, and then realized afterwards that all people really cared about was the size of my right calf because I could only push with one leg. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah this, you talked about the like uh, the the post expedition blues as well and that there is that um you know i've seen people talk about the like people's obsession with like climbing the ladder and you know one day you'll get to the top and you'll achieve the thing and then it'll all be okay and then mm. like you know if there's the bag at the top of the ladder they open it up and then there's nothing in it it's like that i guess that you know it sounds like that resonates a bit with this it's that kind of scenario where it's like, yeah, you do this big trip, you break the world record and you sort of, or I don't know, you expect something magical to happen. And it's like, oh no, I'm just, I'm back home. And yeah, different. I mean, ultimately we're all just tiny little humans just getting about our lives. And I think, you know, we, we grow up with so much expectation on our shoulders. I think that's, it's, it's pretty unhealthy at the best of times. Uh, and and I think that's really, really sad. We we have to find our own way. And I don't think it's a bad thing to to try and be happy and feel productive and useful. Um, you know, if you ask me who my, uh, who my, not idols are, but who I really, really respect, I wouldn't give you anybody who has done those stereotypical, you know, made a million or broken a world record or climbed Everest, you know, well done. Uh, but a person, a person's heart and soul and their actions are, and I don't mean feats, um, their, their day-to-day, uh, behavior is, is more valuable. And the people I really look up to are the, uh, are my team, honestly, they're, they're so selfless and I know that I can rely on them. Um, whereas I probably, you know, have to wait for seven days to get a reply to a WhatsApp from someone who's you know, done one of these supposedly important things. And, uh, and I think, I think that's key. You know, you 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 find your little tribe and, and look after them and, uh, the family grows from there. And so to, to talk, let's talk about your team then. So what have you, a lot of these things that you've done over the years have very, been very much a solo effort. And you've talked about yeah. how you're doing all the stuff. 
write the scene, write the theme tune, sing the theme tune, all that kind of thing. But hmm. the, like, what what have you? How, what's the setup now? Obviously, you're coming into I guess this more formalized business. How how does that look? Um, I kind of still on that. If you know, spend as little as possible. Uh, which which means it's just M and I. Uh, building the business. In fact, Ems is out working at a COVID testing centre four days on, four days off at the moment, just to pay the bills which we now have because we have a home and land and all of those definite uh, outgoings. So Emsy's taking that hit and I'm at home building the site and the business, uh, doing the online marketing as well as the the outdoor making stuff, making rickety compost loos. Uh, to make sure that we've got a business, a brand new business ready to run as soon as possible, as soon as we're allowed. Uh, we've got we've got a really lovely, beautiful site with some very cool kind of converted buses. So we, we also have some work placements for people who need a break, often living in the city. So even now there's, there's a couple of our team from the S tribe who are out there staying on the bus, all socially distanced, but they're helping to sieve some stone and recycle a driveway and, and dig some soil and... Uh, just for a few hours a day and as long as you know they're happy to do that and they feel like they're getting something out of it good chill good outside time during this mad covid pandemic then that's a real help to us as well there's only so much we can do by ourselves at some point yeah. i'd like to uh i'd like to employ some people too but we need to be able to afford that <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um you mentioned marketing there so what's your What's your plan for the marketing? What kind of stuff are you, are you working on? Yeah, I, I love having something new and juicy that I really believe in to to talk about. I'm, I've never been a very good seller, which is why I completely rebuffed the influencer thing at the beginning. Because, <laughs> you know, if like at the beginning of last year, L'Oreal wrote to me and said, oh, we've got this new kind of moisturizing range for men. Would you like to try it out? And I was like, what? The Have ginger you, barnet finally yeah. it's early its money. It's like I've never moisturized in my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> Who's doing your research? So, but you know, we I really believe in what we're doing here. We're creating a beautiful site where people can escape into nature and have a unique kind of sleeping experience and lots of workshops and learn some valuable skills as well. So it's really easy to to sell something, to market something that you believe in. And you know, we I'm not like, oh, you know, 25% off our pod. I we're, I don't think we'll ever do discounts, honestly, because we've got a really valuable product here. But the marketing has ranged from, you know, just slowly developing the Instagram and the, and the Facebook and all of that stuff. And then responding to word of mouth, like we've, we've even, even you, Tom, thanks the other day, sent me, sent me a message about Sunday times doing something. So it looks like we'll be in there, uh, this weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's just enthusiasm as well. You know, I'll I'll get on the phone as much as I can rather than send an email because if someone can hear your voice and the enthusiasm you have for it, they're more likely to to help you out because it's a it's a human thing, hey? And I think another really important part of this is this isn't just like two people setting up a glamping site for the first time. Uh we're not promoting the site, we're promoting the story behind it. And I think that's the that's the thing that people really relate to. Well, you've never lived in the country and set up a, a camping site before how does that work what are the what are the trials and tribulations and when it's ready to go they're way more likely to to want to come and support us because they've seen the journey we've been through to to create the space so that's that's always the way the, the personal story is so much more important because people can relate to it yeah it feels like the storytelling bit has been kind of at the core of 
all the things that you've done, like the, you know, obviously you talked about writing books in, 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 in itself is writing a story, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, every, everything that you've done, you talk about like the different channels and all these different, these different things, but at the heart of it all is there's a good story to tell. Is that, is that fair? Is that, yeah, is that what you kind of subscribe to from a, yeah kind of general approach yeah there's you know a good story has has a nice lesson that different people can take different things from and and i think that's really important the story isn't we're building a campsite the story is what it takes to build a campsite and the sacrifices and the wins and you know those kind of just basic human joys uh and the great thing about this is i know that people are going to come to this come to big sky hideaway i'm really excited about that we've had so much interest whereas if i write a book i know that only like 50 people will read it (laughs) (laughs) have you have you got any so where does it come from like when you grew up were you a were you a storyteller is or is it something that's come off the back of like doing stuff because because i think that's the thing is like people people might i don't know people it's almost like you need the stuff, you need the story to tell. So, and, and if, again, yeah. if you try and make make up a story, it, it often will fall flat on its face. And it's not because you're a bad storyteller, it's because you, know, you don't have, you've got no content. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's non-fiction, it's happening. And for me, the most important thing is the doing. There's so many things I've done and stories I've got, I could tell, which I haven't because... I'm too busy. I'm a compulsive doer. I need to, I need to be on something the whole time. And... Now and then I'll think, oh, I, should, I could share that. But I, I don't do it so I can share it. I just I do it because I love it. So I know I didn't I didn't have any stories really as a kid. Certainly not any worth sharing because I, I didn't have any life experience. But as soon as I started like going off on these trips and meeting different people and finding out how they lived and realizing how difficult it was to water bike down the Norwegian coastline or ride a kick scooter around Japan uh and you know subside off vending machines uh you know then life felt interesting and it has to start with a funny like i have to be able to giggle at the the randomness of it and then you know if if there's a practical lesson then that's that's just a bonus <laughs> yeah yeah have you, have you like video i think plays a big part of this and is something you've delved into more you know more recently have you and you've got a course you know you've created a course to to like I guess share your experience of doing simple you know not needing all the gear to kind of make something that looks good what what would your you know what would be like your advice to the man on the street is it possible for them to create decent video to to go with the storytelling yeah this is the best camera we've all got because we don't have to buy another one and it's amazing what you can do with a smartphone uh so yeah i hey i completely forgot about that thing right at the beginning of covid i did two things i set up a podcast and obviously because every middle-aged white male set up a podcast at the beginning of covid oh, i hate those guys hate those guys <laughs> mate, <laughs> mate you should <laughs> face for radio and and i also yeah i i i traveled with many different sizes of camera across time and the smaller the camera the more engaging people are because they're less afraid of of the lens basically or they can't see it and yeah so I I made a little course uh, about filmmaking with an iPhone just filming and editing and that's totally a great place to start there's no point going out and spending a lot of money on on gear and having to learn how to use it if you haven't made a film before. So start off really simple. You know, if you've got a smartphone, you can you can take photos and film and work on different techniques and come out with some pretty solid stuff. And I love it. 
I I still that's still my my chief camera, my my little iPhone. What do you do for like editing stuff? Is there what's your what's your rough setup? So if I'm on the move, I will and your gear as well, and your gear. So what's like your yeah. gear for filming, and then you yeah you. So so I I do love some some proper gear. You know I'm I I do get a bit geeky, but also I'm really tight, so I don't often spend money on gear. <laughs> so I, I'm constantly balancing that one. But the simple the simple one is you know keep the camera still. So a tripod is really helpful. A bit of movement's nice as well. So you can get like a like a gimbal or something, um, or just just be really careful uh with with the stability think about that because then when people are watching your shot and it's all kind of Blair Witch then you know they're going to switch off fast uh sounds also really important some would argue more important than the vision so think about you know the wind blowing into your microphone while you're doing a little selfie at the top of Everest uh because no one can hear what you're saying and do you use external mics or anything or do you just use the yeah sometimes if i can be bothered uh more often than not over an external mic i'll hide from the wind and then just make sure there's no there's no uh grossly ambient sound into the microphone if that's not possible then yeah i'll put a mic on um and then you know if i'm on the move I'll, i'll edit on imovie on my phone and if I'm home and taking more care and time over over the finished product, then I'll use Final Cut on my Mac. Uh, but ultimately, I think the key is if you don't feel like filming because you're tired, film. You know, otherwise you just come back with not enough content and you've just got to mock it up at the, at the yeah. back end. And that's that's pretty boring. <laughs> And often those are the, the the bits that are most engaging, I think, like, because, yeah, if you just come out with some happy, happy story of like, oh, these are, these are the best times, then, you know, I guess you, you get that kind of disbelief and, you know, the, the like Insta lens of everything's great. Yeah. Although, honestly, on my trips, I'm like 98% happy. So uh, I'm really delighted to be out there and really grateful and I, I I laugh all the time. So, yeah, my my travel film's kind of like Alice in Wonderland, I suppose. But uh, you know, now and then, if something goes wrong, I'll I'll definitely share it. I think also, you know, if you're thinking of making films or taking a lot of photos with with whatever camera, don't skimp on the memory. You know, there's nothing worse than spending half of your holiday emptying out your phone or deleting stuff because you you've saved a hundred quid on on memory. You know, just go hard on that stuff and then, and then, yeah, just be efficient with your time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, if again, like the, you know, the, the line of, uh, it's not what you earn, it's what you don't spend. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, yeah. If, if you can create the kind of stuff you create, Dave, that on that living off that motto, then, uh, you know, I think it's clear that anyone, anyone who's running a business can, can create interesting things and, and engaging things. Hey, Tom, for sure. And, you know, there's outsource your weaknesses till the cows come home. But I, I really, I, I do absolutely everything myself. I can design a website. I can, I can design adverts and promos on, on Canva. I can write my own text and make my own films, take my own photos. There's definitely people out there who can do all of those things better. But if I can do them well enough to make my business look good, then one, it saves money. Two, I can make the changes if changes need making really, really fast. And no one cares about my business as much as I do. So uh, I, I, I think if you can do the nuts and bolts, even when you do end up hiring someone, you know what they're going through and you can understand and work together better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what about the... 
you've, you've obviously done an awful lot of stuff so this I mean this question's a bit of a rabbit hole probably but what's what's the biggest challenges you've you've faced uh being ginger you know I think that naturally holds you back in England uh, <laughs> um but once I got over that and I think that's the best thing about getting old uh, as a ginger, actually, because you just turn white or grey. Yeah, grey, yeah. <laughs> and no one's got nothing on you. Um, biggest challenges, I think. Um, man, it's a good one. Like I, I feel like everything has been a challenge, but I've embraced. I really embrace it. I like something that's hard and uh, that I don't really like at the beginning because I'm not good at it. Because I know the more I put into it, the better I'll get. And actually, it'll become a skill at some point. Uh, but I, yeah, like none of the challenges have, have been on the road or the water. Uh, I think they've been just just battling that hopefulness versus patience. And given time, everything works out as long as you've got the, a good attitude. Um, I think probably... The, the hardest challenge for me is managing a team. I spent so much time by myself uh, on <laughs> down rivers and deserts and all of that stuff that uh, I really know what I want from life, but I find it hard to find anyone else who meets my my motivation levels, my expectations for myself. And if I've got a team around, I'm I'm a, I'm tough. I think I'm a, I'm a really hard hard person to work with or for because I expect so much um so yeah I'm working on that I've I've had a couple of support teams on my trips and mate they, they've been a proper disaster just because I, I I couldn't manage them very well at all uh so yeah maybe one day I'll be a good team leader but you know all in good time <laughs> Have you learned anything? I totally, listen, I totally kind of agree and, and empathize with that. Um, all the thing, all the things that you've said, uh, the, is it, have you picked up anything? Have you, do you feel like having done that a bit more, you've, you've worked out any habits, any ways around that, to yeah, to, to be better at it? Um, yeah, I'd like to think I'm a bit more kind of understanding and, and patient, uh, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for me to say, honestly, like being leading, I've ended up leading loads of teams, whether they're expedition teams or, or mindset growth teams or, you know, the yes tribe. Um, but yeah, I think as, as time goes on, I'm, I'm less pernickety about certain details. Uh, but if something needs to be done, you need to set expectations ahead of time if you're not going to be doing it. Uh, and, and having that chat up front, just puts everything on the straight and narrow. Just saying something like build a wall isn't gonna, I don't know why I used a Trumpism, but you know, it's not good enough. You know, you need to be like, this is how big the wall needs to be. This is how high, this is how long from here to here. And if everyone agrees on it beforehand, then there's, there's nothing left to lose, you know, in that, in that drain of understanding between two people. And I, I think that's really key. Like communication is everything. I'll, I'll say now, which I never, to my teams now, which I never did before was, or at the beginning is, you know, guys, if you're not happy, then I'll talk to you. I'll be able to spot it beforehand. I left it to them to talk to me if they weren't happy. And that's really hard to do sometimes. And I didn't, I didn't recognize that. Uh, and then, you know, problems just brew and, mm. and simmer. And at some point they just get too big to, to deal with. So 
yeah, if I spot a problem, I'll I'll reach out and and deal with it before it becomes a a small volcano, if I can, mm. if I can. I know I've got some learning. Let's talk about leadership in fifteen years. I might have something useful to say. Yeah, <laughs> round two, <laughs> round two. Um, and you, you in terms of like the challenge stuff there, you mentioned um, you know I, the sort of umbrella that I took from that is a lot of the challenges are in your head, like rather than being yeah, like you say do a thing or, or try and accomplish this uh, have you got any like i don't know like daily routines like habits that you things you do to help harness that be better at that no uh you know I, every every self-help blog i write i read you know is like is either like drink a pint of water have coffee sleep well make your bed before you do anything else it's all nonsense uh, you know, we all work totally differently. So you can read as many gurus as you like, but honestly, just uh, don't waste time. Uh, we've we've only got so so much time. If you're pro- if you find yourself procrastinating, just stop. Give yourself a list, write a to do list of things, and then just crack on and tick them off. Uh, and don't don't put too much pressure on yourself either. You know, find that lovely balance between rest and productivity. If you're getting to the end of the day thinking I could have done more then you're naughty and you need to do more. If you get into the end of the day and you're absolutely knackered, then, you know, it could be worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, I, that, I mean, that's that's a refreshing take, Dave. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, obviously, like you say, there's a lot of, you, you touched on it earlier, like, the, you know, mental health is a very, like, prominent thing now and there's, a, you know, you can read something new every day about, like, someone else's take on, on something uh, and, yeah, and, and often the world we live in kind of falls into like give us a hack for for that thing rather than it just being yeah the general concept of do something that makes you happy and if that find it and then do more of it <laughs> yeah, yeah it for down. sure hey the only thing would be just get outside a bit more you know if you're feeling really stressed and just just walk yeah or there's probably by. things there's probably things that are baked into what you do I guess that maybe are you know you don't even view them in that way that. To, and that being a good example of like, because I, I know I've been saying it to our team, I've been like, go outside for an hour a day, like mm. try and set a thing off. It, you have to go and do this thing as a habit. And if you do it as a habit, then you will just consistently feel better on it. And obviously, you know, that's just something you naturally, naturally do. Um, but for, for many other people, it's just not. You know, not a normal thing to be done. They're still in PlayStation and cat, cat land. Yeah, sure. And there's time and place for that. But I think we need to, you know, that balance between feeling like we've had a good productive day and just taking everything too seriously. So give yourself a break. You know, I think we we have mental health issues because we stress and we're anxious. And if that's the result of a bad decision, then do your best to undo that decision and give yourself uh, some time off. But life isn't, you know... At some point, we're just going to be dead, aren't we? And it doesn't matter how we're feeling right now. So let's try our utmost to to feel as good as we can on a on any given day. You know, we're not here to leave a massive legacy. You know, in a in a in a few years, we won't be here. Our kids won't be here. And I don't mean to be like down on it. It's just we're tiny little dots in floating in a universe, and I think we take ourselves ever so seriously. And there's nothing better than having a good giggle and a laugh. So watch a comedy. You know, if you're yeah, feeling down, yeah. watch a comedy. Go outside and drink some water. Just like that. Easy as that. <laughs> Easy as that. Um, the 
so what, what advice would you give Dave to if there's someone kind of thinking about starting their own starting their own bit travel business or if someone's like in their early days of doing it what what advice would you would you give to them uh find your find your unique selling point you know what and and that's basing it around you we've all got a completely unique mix of experience and talent and personality and if you if you can put put all that in a pot and stir it up and and spit out a business then i think you're onto a winner uh just work hard just be prepared to to go freaking hard at it and learn all the skills that you need to make that business successful uh like i said earlier if you know how to do a little bit of everything and you can make the business work completely by yourself then you'll be in a better position to manage a team who eventually will will make you th the success that you'd like to be um yeah you know have a garden have a garden as well don't just have an office have a unique office where people really want to want to come and be uh I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, I don't really have the, the best, the best things to say about this because I'm, I'm starting up my own business in a 14 acre plot of land, which is dead flat in Lincolnshire. And I feel really, really lucky uh, to be here. And my office is a double decker bus. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, it, I, I think the, no, I, it, it's kind of, that creating the thing that works for you again you know that that in itself i think makes sense you know when we're talking about being selfish and like doing it doing a good thing but doing it with a, a selfish slant so that it works for you mm. like that's exactly what you're talking you know you're talking about there is like you've set you're setting up a business but it's in the environment that you want to be in and you will attract kind of like-minded people because of that and I, you know i guess not getting sucked into thinking like, oh, this is how a business is run and we have to go and move into this office in this big collection of offices and we have to have a fancy coffee machine and, uh, you know, this and, and that, uh, all these different things as part of it. It's like, no, just do the thing that is right for you and what you want to do and because the more you try and fight against that, I think the harder you will make it for yourself to make the business a success. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, if you're if you're starting a business... I'd sure hope you're 100% passionate about it. And when you're really passionate about something, you want to talk about it all the time. So you may as well make it an interesting listen. You know, oh, we got an office today. It's not a story. It's boring. Uh, you know, make it cool. Be excited about about the the, the tale you're, you're telling and living. And, and that means doing things a bit differently. Um, otherwise at some point you'll just get bored of yourself as well. And there's nothing worse than someone who's bored of their own business, you know, well, there are yeah. worse, there are worse things than that, but that's pretty bad. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The, so tell us about the future plans for you then. So what's, what's coming up? Obviously big skies, the big sky hideaway is the big focus at the moment. What yeah. have you got any, I guess, yes, tribes kind of taking care of itself, expedition 1000 things are coming up is there are there any particular plans on those front or is it yeah just head down head down get get big spy big big sky right uh tom i'm i'm really happy where i am right now it's it's wonderful just being outside learning how to saw up wood and and make little structures and plant trees and things like that uh i have absolutely no urge or want to go away and do an adventure or an expedition at the moment i've still got 10 of these thousand milers to go um, and if I get too comfortable here, I might regret that. Uh, but in a month, we've got our packers coming. 
So we'll have four four pregnant females turning up with their little furry faces, which is going to be brilliant. Um, they'll be giving birth like a month or two afterwards as well. So then we'll have wow. three little baby alpacas. How can I even think about like swimming a thousand miles underwater or, you know, yeah. canoeing down the Yukon? At some point, I'll go away and do some trips. But in the meantime, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be in a place that I love to be having a massive project to chew on. And uh, that's that's. Yeah, and then maybe COVID will go away at some point. We'll actually have some guests instead of me just enjoying our glamping pods and buses by myself. <laughs> just sleeping in, a, sleeping in a different one every night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tell, us, tell us, just because we've, we've sort of touched on Big Sky a few times, tell us the overall like concept of what you've got and yeah, what, what I guess what it is now and then what it's building towards. Yeah, so we we started off with a lovely blank canvas and Em and I have a home right in the middle of our woodland. So it's nicely tucked away from the land where the camping will be happening. We've got four acres of woodland and 10 acres of meadow uh, split into three different meadows. And yeah, we've got a really long one where we're planting a garden and an orchard and 2000 trees ultimately. Uh, and then we've got a big meadow for, for camping and glamping. And then the smaller meadow is for the alpacas, the Yes Bus, which is our community space, and a barn, which eventually will turn into a community space, have little weddings and things like that there. And then the woodland is, there are a couple of pods in there. We'll have a hammock village during the summer and a bushcraft centre, hopefully open up to local forest schools and all powered by renewables. So we want people to come here and think whether it's, I really want to learn something and have a good time or just have a really unique breakaway with my family and friends. No amplified music, really peaceful place and lots of thoughtful, unique touches all, all around. I want people to leave thinking, yeah, I'm kind of better prepared to live the rest of my life now. Um, you know, I, I don't want people just to come and have a holiday in a caravan and just then leave and go back to work all grumpy. I want them to come here and learn some skills that will will take them away even if it's yeah it's okay to slow down yeah sounds amazing i can't wait to i can't wait to come over i'm getting booked in dave that's this is it it's on for the summer when uh yeah get over with the kids and yeah you can you can be the one who shows them how to make their first fire yeah you're on <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's and I'll, I'll sit in the background and pretend that it's not the first time i've been taught how to make a fire <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like daddy <laughs> come here <laughs> yeah <laughs> um any, anything else before we finish? Anything else you want to kind of share with the audience? Anything you want to you want to say to people? Um, no, I don't know. We've covered a lot. Hey, but I think just thanks. Thanks for having me on and, you know, at least pretending that I've got something decent to say. I often wonder whether I do. And I think the, the most important thing is, you know, just start creating, if you haven't done already, a life that you're really, really satisfied with. I know it sounds simple, but, uh, you know, it's... It's not that it doesn't seem to be the done thing. You know, creating work that you absolutely love means making sacrifices and the people you spend time with sometimes. Uh, and, and that's a real key. You know, if you're surrounded by that positive little tribe, then you can do anything. Yeah, good stuff. Where can people find you, Dave? Where's the best place to, to go? If you like the adventure stuff, then DaveCornthwaite.com. If you can't spell that, then Dave Corn will get you there uh and bigskyhideaway.com is is this this growing growing new project that i've got going on here and then say yes more.com is the home of the yes tribe yeah find us on facebook ace amazing thanks so much for coming on lovely to catch up with you and yeah look forward to seeing you in the summer thanks tom always good to see you take care thanks man
what a life Dave has had. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I enjoyed recording it. He's done so much and has been a massive inspiration for me since I met him a couple of years ago. And as you can imagine from the things that he's done underneath it all, he's a really lovely bloke too. I'd highly recommend following him on Instagram in particular. He's at Dave Corn. That's D-A-V-E-C-O-R-N. And you can find out more about him at davecornthwaite.com. If you're interested in his latest project, visit bigskyhideaway.com and book yourself a trip there. I know I'm going to soon, so no doubt we might cross paths if you go and stay there. I've seen the early days of what they're doing there from uh, alpacas to uh, yeah, some of the crazy renewable stuff that they've got going on. So I'm sure that's going to be a big success. So get booked in. If you go to seotravel.co.uk forward slash Dave hyphen Cornthwaite, you'll get all the show notes there and links to the various things that Dave mentioned in the conversation there. You can also watch the video of the conversation and you visit seotravel.co.uk forward slash podcast for other episodes where you can also get loads of other insights. If you're a travel company looking for marketing support from people who really care about your success, then please do get in touch at seotravel.co.uk and we'd love to hear from you. You can also read more about our 100% project there, which outlines how we give all the profit we make from SEO travel to educational charities, both at home and around the world. We'd love your support in spreading the word so we can help those charities as much as possible. If you enjoyed the show, it'd be fantastic if you could review the show on iTunes and share what your favourite bits were, subscribe to it, and it would be amazing if you could share it with at least one person you know who might benefit from the insight that Dave offered. I'd love to hear from you and find out what you enjoyed so we can continue to bring you more content like this. Uh, and yeah, let me know what you find entertaining. Let me know what you found helpful. My email's tom at seotravel.co.uk and I'd love to hear from you about the podcast or about anything else you'd like to chat about. We've had some fantastic episodes already and we've got more fantastic guests coming up. So stay tuned for future episodes. And when you subscribe, you'll get notified when we release new episodes so you can be one step ahead of the game. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, happy travels. Happy travels.